The Lance Wall Now Show is coming at you live from the master himself, with a special broadcast taken from one of Lance's most recent appearances. Tune in and get ready for some major revelation. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former. And of course, what is the house of God? Apostle Paul fortunately gives us an answer to that. He says, you are God's house. So evidently God wants to reveal something in his church, his temple, his people. Does this make sense so far? But this verse here, I love this verse when it says, I'm going to shake all the nations and, uh, and I'm going to control the economies of things. And I'm doing this because I'm going to, I'm going to have a, a greater end time temple and it's going to be a glorious temple. Now, I want you to see something. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, and you'll see where the uh, apostle, we don't know if it was Paul or uh, Apollos or whoever, who the writer is. We think it's Paul. But we find the writer here in, uh, in Hebrews. He goes on to quote that little verse I talked about, and he adds something to it, which I think is really important. He says in verse 22, remember, look up for your redemption draws nigh. You down here have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable come. You're seated in heavenly places in this location here. While your body's here, you're seated there, and you're warring against this that's in the middle. You've come to that general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all spirits, just been made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. We can talk about the, the, the voice of the blood, which is going to be in the church, the spirit of prophecy that's in the church in the last days, as Jesus talks through his glorious church to the nations. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. How many of you know God is speaking from heaven? God is saying something from heaven. Everybody's running to the prophets trying to find out who's going to be the next president. You're asking the wrong question. And there's nothing worse than asking God about something he doesn't want to talk about. <laughs> Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he's promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Woo! Sure that word promise. I always look at shaking like it's a bad thing. Like, oh, everything's getting shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Batten down the hatches, honey. Get everything on the rock. Here comes the earthquake. Here's what the Lord says. Yet once more, I'm going to shake not only the earth, but I'm going to shake heaven. And then he says something very strange. The writer adds something, which if he hadn't written it, I would have totally missed it. He says, this is a promise. What's the difference between a promise and a warning? See, when I grew up and I was in trouble, my mother would say, you wait till your father gets home. That was a warning. <laughs> the writer isn't giving them a warning saying, and God's coming to shake everything that can be. You better be careful and get yourself sorted out because God's going to shake it up. It's a promise. Why is it a promise? Because if you read it, the promise is, I am going to shake everything that can be shaken. Don't worry about it. Because if you're building on the unshakable kingdom, then I'm shaking hell out and shaking you in. <laughs> just, just test me on this. You're not hearing this preached. He has promised. Everybody say promise. 
promise is a positive thing for us. He said, I'm going to shake things up. I promise you. I'm, it's like MacArthur. I shall return. I'm going to shake things up. He's not going to be shaking you up. He's shaking the devil up. Just make sure you don't get shook up when he shakes him. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal, <laughs> the removal of things that are being shaken as the things that are made, that things which cannot be shaken may remain. God's removing what's shakeable and militating against his kingdom. He's removing them so that that which cannot be shaken is all that's left. Now, I know you guys left Haggai a second ago. I want you to go back. I've got to go back there for a reason. What's going to get shaken? Colossians says that all these things were made for him, by him and for him, for Jesus. All thrones and dominions and principalities and powers, things natural and things spiritual, natural thrones and spiritual thrones. There's a spiritual throne over Washington, I'm sorry to say, that is a demonic entity controlling a lot of what goes on in Washington. There's natural and spiritual, but the shaking is going to overturn thrones in the natural and the spiritual. Now watch this. Again, verse 20, chapter 2 of Haggai. The word of the Lord came to Haggai, that 80-year-old prophet in the 24th day of the month. In just two chapters, this guy shook up an awful lot. Speak to Zerubbabel. Tell that politician, I'm going to shake heaven and earth, and I'm going to overthrow the thrones of kingdoms. I'm going after seats of government and flipping them. You tell me what else it means. I'm going to overturn the throne of kingdoms. And then as though it... It can't be too spiritualized because the very next verse, the very next part of the sentence, I'm going to destroy the strength of Gentile kingdoms. I'll break it down for you. I'm going after the Gentiles. I'm going after their governmental structures. I'm going to start flipping some governments over because they're militating against my plans for my temple, my people, and my movement. I'm going to go deal with them myself. If it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't be saying it. I'm going to shake heaven and earth. Why? Because there's principalities and powers that have thrones in the spirit realm over the natural thrones. I'm going to knock them off their throne there. I'm going to flip the throne down here. I'm going to advance my kingdom on the earth. I'm going to destroy the strength of Gentile kingdoms. God's very specific. Don't make this too spiritual. I'm going after governments. I'm going to overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down everyone by the sword of his brother. There's going to be divisions. God's going to use divisions between these forces to take each other out. And in that day, says the Lord of hosts, I'm going to take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord. I'm going to make you like a signet ring for the Lord has chosen you. What's a signet ring? Signet ring is a ring that you would use to put into the warm wax of a document in order to make it a sealed entity that it was a government authorized transaction. God is saying, I'm going to give you supernatural authority to put your confession, your utterance, and your amen on sealing what heaven wants on earth. You will put your words into the warm wax of circumstance and seal my administration and my agenda. Out of your mouth, I'll establish it. That's the reason why God is coming back to take possession of the church at a higher level, so our utterances can be utterances that God can authorize. Does that make sense to you? 
This is a different world than most of us have been hand-wringingly prepared to look for. With the Antichrist on the horizon and us with our bug out bags and our soybeans in the basement wondering <laughs> how long we can invest in our 401k before it gets taken over by the government. Arguing about when the rapture happens. It's a totally different disposition. Why? Because if you follow the pattern, remember the word pattern, God gives a governmental leader and the government leader is there, then after him was a bad leader, then after him was a good leader, then after him was a good leader. In other words, there's different administrations set in motion. These Jews weren't doing their job because there was a hostile administration. And the prophet said, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing what God called you to do? You worried about what, what Persia wants? I'll shake up this, I'll turn this country upside down. You give me what I want. Okay, we repent. All right, then God turned over the administration. Matter of fact, he went to that guy, the new king, and he said, hey, I want everybody who's persecuting them to start paying them for my building project. And God moved the finances of the nations to support their building project. God wanted a house. This is the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What came after the house project? Who knows? Right after the housing project, they built the house and then it was time for the walls and the gates. Who was it? It was going to be once again Ezra and Nehemiah, just like it was uh, Joshua and uh, Zerubbabel. Church and government. God raised up a combination package. It was Ezra and Nehemiah. They came back and they, now that the house was built, they rebuilt the walls and the gates. God was, he got the temple built, but there was still a lot of persecution, so he built a secure boundary around them. Can I suggest to you what God really wants? I don't know if he's going to get it because I don't know if the church really is how much pain we got to go through to give him what he wants. But here's the reality of it. He gives us administrations for the church to take territory. I don't know if we took a lot of territory. I think we did a lot of critiquing of Trump. He basically said, you know, I think, I think he said, I think the school systems is a big problem. If they don't allow freedom of speech on the campuses for conservatives, we should stop government funding. When he said that, there should have been an amen and a million march to Washington. Instead it was, peep, crickets. He was willing to do stuff we weren't willing to do. Because I'm convinced our mentality has almost been so spiritual, we've been lacking in, in, in wisdom and what to do when God gives a breakthrough. I talked to Cousin Billy the other night here in the front row here, one of the most brilliant men I know in finance. I haven't been focused on the finance. I'm focusing on this stuff over here. I got sucked into the vortex of Donald Trump's world. I was, I was advocating for what the church needs to do. But he said something to me last night. He said, I was telling people, interest rates are really low. While interest rates are low, you're never going to see them this low, low again. Learn how to buy property. Learn how to use that zero. And you could be buying up property for 20, 30 years. You'll be paying off with low to no interest. You're never going to see money available in a money supply like that with an opportunity like this. He was absolutely right. I said, well, how long were you saying? He said, well, at least three years. And I was thinking, well, where was I when you said it? <laughs> that window's closed. Why am I bringing that up? Because when the opportunity of a lifetime comes, you must discipline yourself to respond within the limited lifetime of that opportunity. God gives you a breakthrough. You can't dawdle with it. They tried to impeach the guy twice. That's how dangerous he was. God gives us a breakthrough. We've got to be better at going in and occupying. I'll tell you what the Lord wants. He wants a house that is focused on building, occupying presence in the nations because we're called the disciple nations, not being an intimidated minority, nervously praying to get out of here.
It was the house. Then it was the walls and the gates. What's that? That is the boundaries. The boundaries is the boundaries is the walls around the nation. The walls have to be restored. The walls physically of our borders have broken down. The walls of our economic self-control have been obliterated so that we're literally drowning in money debt. The walls of sexual identity separating a man from a woman have been broken down. The walls of sexual propriety where what is homosexual and gay versus what is heterosexual. In other words, there isn't a boundary or a wall that hasn't collapsed. God is calling us to rebuild those walls. With the instability happening in the market right now and with inflation going up in the dollar and it's like seems to be like in its free fall, we're watching the stock market make some terrible um, reckoning adjustments. And where are people going? Well, when cash is, is unstable, people put their money in a store of value, gold and silver and precious metals. What I didn't know till recently, and I should have known it, is that you can take your 401k and you can actually convert it uh, and put it into an account that has silver and gold. That means that your 401k retirement savings is going to be in silver and gold. So as the dollar starts to uh, get unstable or decline, your gold and silver value is guarding your retirement. Now, this is the tax-exempt strategy that Birch Gold uh, can advise you on. You want to go to lancewallet.com forward slash Birch. Talk to one of their consultants, download their report, and learn how you can convert a 401k or your retirement plan into gold and silver accounts secure and protect your money and have peace of mind. LanceWallet.com forward slash Birch. Download the report. Talk to the consultant. There's no obligation. That's what I'm recommending people do. And then if you have that, then when that is all done, we're going to come to this, this final moment. I'll hit this on tomorrow. It's going to be like Matthew 25. What's the ultimate goal? The Lord will return. The Lord will return. Yes, he will. But there's two kinds of nations when he comes back. There's sheep nations and goat nations. You're called to make disciples of nations. You should not stop unless you can envision your nation being a sheep nation. Meaning, your nation being a nation that honors the Lord. There's only two kinds of nations in the end. He's coming back and judging them, sheep and goat. I want our country to be a sheep nation. It's becoming a goat nation. But it doesn't have to be because it's on our watch. We're going to have to become the house God wants, the ecclesia. I will build my church, the gates of hell. Tomorrow I'll talk about this. How do the gates of hell operate? This is the seven mountains. God is going to raise you up as an ecclesia to go into media and into arts and into business and into government and into, into school systems and into education. You're going to be writers and lawyers and journalists and filmmakers and artists. Don't assume America's going down. America's going to be in so much confusion and pain. Let me tell you a story. When I was in Hawaii on 9-11, I was with a group of people from Morgan Stanley who happened to have been on the top floor where the plane hit, but they were with me at a management seminar in Florida when the plane hit. All of their friends were wiped out. I'm sorry, I was in Hawaii. I was in, where did I say I was? Florida, yeah, Florida, yeah, a little difference. So I was in Hawaii at the time. I'm in Hawaii, and I'm talking to these people in Morgan Stanley. I mean, it was, it was kind of a tragic, traumatic experience because they were literally going to be there, except they were in Hawaii at this conference. Come to find out the story about the, uh, the elevator and the window washer. I'll close with this. It's important for you to see that heaven is invading earth and that God is removing the hindrances of second heaven de demonic resistance. That doesn't mean things aren't going to get darker down here. Isaiah says, 
The darkness shall cover the earth, the gross darkness of people, but upon you the light will shine. You should be becoming more and more powerful as the darkness increases, because as the darkness is coming down, you should be going up. So I'm in Hawaii and I'm talking to these people that were in my group, management group. Very traumatic. And I'm trying to put together what's happening here. And uh, the day before it happened, the devil tried to kill me. I was sitting out there on a, on a chaise lounge overlooking the ocean at the, uh, the Waikoloa Hotel. That's, if you've ever been to the Waikoloa Hotel, we call it the Walkalot Hotel. It says all these places you could walk around there. And I was out there and a demonic wind came in the atmosphere. And I really believe it was the hordes of hell moving towards New York. It was almost like it was a spiritual assignment. And I, I sat, it was such a loud and almost a violent wind in the atmosphere. On this beautiful, clear, crisp Hawaiian day, looking out at the ocean, people laying on these lounge chairs. I was under this tree, this big palm tree. And as this wind, violent wind blew, it almost seemed like it had a personality in it. And it was evil moving somewhere. And I thought, oh my God, there's a movement in the heavenlies. Almost like David said when you hear the going in the top of the trees. Well, this is the demonic going, this is the demonic moving in the top of the trees. And I sat up like that to go look at this sound that I was hearing in the spirit. And as I did, this 70-pound branch came down, falling, boom, right behind my head and broke the back of the chair in half. <laughs> Fell all the way from the top of the tree, came down to kill me, when boom, broke that chair right in half. This Italian man comes running up to me, goes, what's going on? He's going, I'm freaking out. He says, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. I'm going, praise God. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, 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 Andrew and me are like Forrest Gump. We're like, well, praise the Lord. I'm going, praise God. I look at that and I thought, that could have killed me, but glory to God, did you see that? I saw you sit up. What made you sit up? I watched you sit over and you go whoop like that, and the thing goes boom. I go, I know. I was jazzed by it. He was traumatized. He said, I don't understand why you're so happy. I said, cause the Lord saved me. You saw I just sat right up and he almost killed The devil tried to kill me. I was edified. I actually took a picture with that tree. I said, here, I want to get a picture of this. I held it up like a camping trophy. Next day, 9-11 happens. I go, this is weird. Devil tried to kill me yesterday. 9-11 happens. Talking to a group of people that were, a group that was on the elevator at the 24th floor was a group of bankers, uh, Gucci bags. There's Gucci suits. They're in there. And the window washer was in there with them, 24th floor. They were on their way. They were on their way. I think they were going down. And uh, suddenly, boom, elevator stops. Well, Jet had just landed in the second building. They were in the second building. And uh, they're going down, elevator freezes, and all the executives are calling their assistants. Uh, call the engineering, the elevator's frozen here. I don't know where we are, somewhere around the 22nd floor or so. They're all calling their assistants, and uh, the assistants are saying, we don't know what's going on, but there's sirens going all over the building. There's these alarms going off. There's dust in the halls. We don't know what they could figure out. Imagine that. It's so big, they didn't even know what was going on certain floors. The window washer looks at the situation and uh, takes his mop and pushes it between the doors. And the doors open up, and he sees, like, the number 22, the top of the numbers, 22. He says, ah, we're stuck between floors. He said, let me see. He takes that, uh, that, that mop and it goes bing, 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 thump, thump, bing, bing, thump, thump. He goes, yeah, this is solid, this is hollow. I think, if I'm not mistaken, we're probably where the men's room is being re rebuilt on this floor. 
He breaks the mop down to the metal handle, gets down on his knees and starts carving out a hole in that drywall, kicks it in, goes in, comes back out and says, it's the men's room. If you can't fit any bags through here, you can come get them later. Come on through. I recommend you come through now. We'll get out of here. Well, they look at each other. Their Gucci suits, bags down, boom, they go climbing through. They were coming through the sink in the men's room, underneath the sink. The window washer gets through the hall. They go out. There's drywall and dust everywhere. There's these red lights flying at the end of the hall. He says, follow me. Gets them down to the end of the hall. They get to the stairway. They go out. Tired, exhausted. He says, keep going, keep going, keep going. We got to go, get out of here. He herds them all out, gets them outside, and they're running now because they're being told, move, 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 move. They're running back. And as they're running, the whole building goes down. They all get thrown like 10 feet forward into the ground, but they all lived. They get up. I heard that story. And we were uh, trying to discuss what piecing together what happened. And the Lord says to me, who was the leader in the elevator? A minute earlier, the wealthy lawyers, the wealthy real estate owners, the wealthy executives had nothing to do with the window washer. But the window washer was the one that saved their life. The Lord said to me, in a room full of questions, the person that knows what to do automatically becomes the leader. That's why you got to get this down. In a room full of questions, and the world's going to have them, you should not be the one running around looking for your favorite YouTube prophet to explain to you what's happening. <laughs> you should be paying attention now and know what's happening. The shaking is coming because hell is shaking, and systems aligned with Satan are going to come down. But it's coming down. It's a promise. The promise is I'm going to shake every demonic, interfering, militant structure that is in the way of my manifesting kingdom. You make sure you're building with my word, my integrity on my rock, because you're the unshakable kingdom that will stand when everything else falls down. I want my house. I want my relationships. I want my government. I want, your, I want you to be surrounded with the right people. Critically important that you align yourself with the right anointing, the right voices, the right teaching, the right, right people, because there's confusion that's going to get into you if you're listening to the wrong voices. And what's God doing? He's mobilizing his house because the house is going to rebuild the walls. We're going to recover ground locally. You, have, you don't have a lot of influence at the national level. Go cast your vote and say your prayers. Focus on what you have authority over locally. You do have authority local. Shame on you if you're not utilizing it. The walls and gates shall be restored. When the walls and gates are restored, the Lord's going to begin to come and set up the borders and boundaries around sheep nations. Out of the rubble are going to come nations that are going to be able to stand up. Jesus said, make disciples of nations. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. All nations are, should be having a witness of the gospel in the end times. Does that make sense to you? Your mission isn't to say, look, Noah's job was to preach. It wasn't his job necessarily to get everybody saved. He did his job by building the ark and giving the message. Your job is to actually build the ark and give the message. What I'm saying to you is this. The unshakable kingdom is being manifest in the midst of shaking. Start to reinterpret the news you're reading as the activity of God against the thrones of darkness and pray for the unshakable kingdom to become manifest. That's your job. And pray for your assignment. Your assignment is the unshakable assignment. The, uh, I'll end it right here. I, was, I had my final conversation with Michael Cross, a senator 
from Connors, Georgia, who was prophesied by Kim Clement to be in politics. Michael died, was dead, like 35 or 40 minutes, and they were going to take body organs out of him, and his wife, Phyllis, wouldn't let them. She goes into the hospital room and starts yelling that he had a prophecy from Kim Clement that he was going to be in politics, his son was going to be in politics, and he hasn't fulfilled that word yet, and she's prophesying over his dead body. Michael, you can't die because the word of the Lord says you're going to be in political office. And so they call security to get her out of there because she's a delirious Pentecostal. She refuses to go. She stops. She's a young Pentecostal. She didn't know what to do. So she, before they can kick her out, security grabs hold of her. And she reaches back over her husband's body and she yells at him, Michael, come back into your body now. At that moment, Michael was in a conversation with Jesus in the heavenly places. The third heaven goes right back into his body on that table. Beep, 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 all these lights start going off. Now the lights are going off. The doctor steps back and looks at her, and he says, he goes, oh my gosh, now you've done it. He blames her. He blames her for bringing him back. <laughs> you talk about unbelief, it's amazing. The doctor, like Dr. Kevorkian, yells at her, now look at what you've done. She goes, oh, I don't know what I did. She thought maybe she made a mistake. She didn't know if she was supposed to. He said, we'll be lucky if he's eating not a vegetable. He'll be brain dead for an hour or half an hour without oxygen. He won't even remember anything. We'll be fortunate if we can keep it on life support, whatever you just did. How, how irrational. She just pulled him back into his body and the doctor was mad at her. <laughs> Within 24 hours, God had restored his mind, his brain, and he went on to run for office four times and was elected a state senator. He told me the vision he had was this, the Lord showed him that you have to go back in your body, Michael, you have to go back. I don't want to go, I want to stay here. No, I know, they I want to bring Phyllis. This is, this is what they pray for. When they die, they're so happy there, they pray that God kills you. <laughs> this is a pattern in many testimonies. They don't put it that way, they're just so happy there, they want you to be where they are. <laughs> so they're interceding for you to die. Let him bring, bring him with me here, Lord. This is wonderful. So the Lord says, no, let me show you what you have to do. And he shows him the call in government that is not yet fulfilled. And then he shows him this lake was shaking on the waters, shaking on the waters. And suddenly these islands come up, just like these circles here that we have in the front of the auditorium here in this room. And these circles start to appear, and they're islands. And he notices ordinary people like you and me, working people, rising up on the islands exercising authority for an unshakable administration over the territory God gave them. And, and, and Michael says he looked as though humanity was shaken in the ocean looking for answers and they were finding their way to the islands where believers had authority over what was happening. Where the joy of the kingdom was manifest, where healing was manifest, where stability was manifest. And, and you might argue with me on this because it's very bad theology. I'm going to tell you exactly what Michael said. He said, and the Lord told me they're ruling in their kingdoms. I thought later, it doesn't sound like good Bible teaching. They're ruling in their kingdoms. It's his kingdom. But you see, that's probably a big mistake we make. Because when he gives you stewardship over something, he is giving you stewardship over it till he gives you a moment of accountability with what you did with his money and his gift. So it's your kingdom under his kingdom. He's the king of kings. That means that you've got a kingdom underneath his kingdom, and he's calling you to administrate it. Instead of acting like a renter, you know what I'm talking about. People that rent don't care about the property. People that own it care about it. The body of Christ is renting planet Earth instead of owning it. 
We don't care what happens to it. We're getting out of here. That's our attitude. So he said, you got to go back. Michael goes back in his body. Beep, beep. Comes back to life. Runs for office. Here's the amazing thing. What I'm telling you right now, I haven't seen Michael. I haven't talked to him in like two years. He calls me up while I'm in Aruba with my wife, Annabelle, in July. Calls me up down there July 28th or something like that. Says to me, Lance, I got to tell you, that message about the seven mountains, that message that you're teaching there with Trump and all this stuff, I believe with all my heart that's exactly what God showed me when I was in heaven. That's, and I think that God's given you the ability to articulate and communicate. You need to write a book on it. So, Butch, I really need to get an app out. I need to get an app and a book. People want to pay for this too. I got to do it. But he tells me, you've got to get this out. That's why I'm putting this out here at this conference for you guys. Because a day later, Michael went to heaven, calls me up to tell me, do it. I think that you're, my job and assignment's over. I'm here to tell you, you've got to finish yours. Get this message out. What you're saying is what God showed me in heaven. Boom. A day later, Kim Clements' daughter calls me in tears. Oh, my God, Michael's gone. And I go, well, I just talked to him yesterday. What are you talking about? She goes, no, he died a day later. Went to heaven. Boom. Day after he called me. Well, I don't jerk the slack out of you. Raised from the dead, fulfills God. And here's what I want you to know. And Michael and I talked about it. I said, you know, you know what's important? Your greatest argument with death is an unfinished assignment. Every one of you ought to be happy about your unfulfilled prophecies. If God told you something, you haven't done it yet, that's a good sign you should be here to finish it. Because he finished his race and told me he was done. How many of you need to have a, a fresh vision of what God's calling you to do in the future? Many of you are going to Karis, looking to Karis, coming to Karis, this environment, because you want to hear what God is saying. You want to be able to walk by faith and be able to discern the times. I welcome you to Karis. I welcome you to the teaching, because you've got to be able to be in the midst of shaking and build that which cannot be shaken, because God is promising He's going to work the shaking to your advantage. Thanks for listening to this Lance Wall Now broadcast. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to subscribe and share the episode. See you tomorrow. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I want to thank each and every one of you for your support by bringing you the pillow that started it all. Get my standard my pillow, regularly $49.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. Just like all of you, I've tried every pillow out there, and none of them worked. That's why I invented my pillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs, helps keep your neck aligned, and it holds its shape all night long, regardless of your sleep position. So you get the best sleep of your life. Because it works, we've sold over 70 million MyPillows, and now I'm bringing them to you for the lowest price ever. Go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen, use your promo code, and you'll get my standard MyPillow for only $19.98. For a more custom fit, my premium queen for only $27.98. Or my premium king, only $34.98. My 60-day money-back guarantees it'll be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code LANCE to save big on all of Mike's best products. That's promo code. Lance.